Well, this is Pastor Keith Sanders at First Baptist Church of Keller, and I'm sitting down with uh, Dr. Michael Wright, who is our associate pastor to families this morning. And we're talking about uh, some of the issues uh, that we're facing as a church and as Christians, particularly as it relates to worldview and specifically uh, the transgender policies of some local school districts. And we've never really done anything like this before, but I think it's a good way uh, to get information and uh, leadership from the pastors uh, to the church. And I have a lot of people who have been stopping me in the hall and asking me about this, what's our church's response to that. And uh, hopefully we can direct you uh, to listen to this. And if you still have questions, obviously you can call us, come by and sit down and have coffee. Uh, first thing, uh, Dr. Wright, uh, this is something pretty new uh, on the on the landscape that we're having to uh, pass laws as to which bathrooms our children go to. Um, but it really, as we were talking off air, is part of a bigger picture of worldview. So my first question is, how do you think we got here in such a short period of time and to um, we're having these sorts of discussions? Well, um, obviously um, it is new. But the whole, the whole issue of sexuality is not new. In fact, God is the one who brought up the whole thing of, about sexual orientation that uh, he made. He created man in his image. He created them male and female. And, and so he, he, he formed man from the dust of the earth. He, he formed Eve from uh, uh, Adam's rib. And so he's the one who sort of defined what is the form of a male and form of a female. So God speaks on it first. But I think where we are now in our... In, in this transgender issue is that there is a confusion in our world. It's, it's both selfish, it's rebellion, but it's also satanic. Uh, the enemy would, would love to keep this whole thing confused uh, because sexuality defines who a person is and what their assignment in the world is. Um, so uh, it's not new. It needs to be addressed, and uh, I think that's why we're we're here talking about that today. And so, as we talk about worldview, we talk about as a staff all the time. One of the things that we're trying to do as pastors is to help establish and promote a biblical worldview, right, within our members and, and their families. Genesis one twenty seven. You you alluded to God made them male and female, right, and. At its essence, this is, as you said, re rebellion against God's plan. Um, at the same time, many of um, the people involved in these confusion issues are very young. And so what do you say to, uh, let's say, one of our third graders who has a classmate who declares a different gender? Uh, than they were born with. How should they respond to that? Well, uh, what a question. Um, obviously, I would want to be talking with their parents as well as this little third grader, but uh, I, I don't want it to sound oversimplistic, but when you say to a third grader, I think, well, then keep it simple. Uh, I trust the gospel. I trust the word of God. 
So I don't mind at all sitting down with anyone, no matter what their age is, and say, this is what God says your role is. Uh, and, and it's important, therefore, then you, you trust the Lord and act upon what God says about this. So if, if, a, if a third grader were to say to me, I want to be this, I would just simply say, that's not God's plan for you. Uh, that's not what God uh, has for you. He has something different in mind. And, and I, would, uh, I would do all I could to help them understand that and then live that. So, so as pastors who are promoting a biblical worldview, we deal in verities, right? We deal in truth uh, rather than feelings because a lot of this debate issues on I feel like a boy, some may say even though I was born a girl or vice versa. Uh, and we know our feelings and emotions change. And, and yet here we have not only individuals, but we have the government now intervening we have a directive from our president that says schools you must accommodate this and some of the districts are passing policy saying and we're not going to tell their parents what 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 do we say to our families at that point because obviously we teach here the whole counsel of god we attempt to do that we have passages like romans 13 that tell us to be submissive to the government passages like first peter 2 13 through 17 so what is our role as citizens citizen Christians, I should say, um, in this debate? Uh, well, I think it's helpful to define, uh, define the difference between political and then biblical. Um, I, I think there are many things the government does that are good. Uh, they, they help us keep order. You know, people like our police, our fire, our first responders, they, they, they do good for our society. But when, when the political process tries to speak into issues like this, they obviously are overstepping their bounds. And, and Christians can speak up about that. I think, I think we shouldn't back off and let government do whatever government says it wants to do, but I think we should be involved in government. This is why I encourage people to, to you know, kids, grow up, be a politician, be a Christian politician, make a difference in the world. But for us as a church, I think it's good to have good and wholesome, healthy relationships with the leadership of our communities. Uh, that's why I think we should establish discussions with mayors and with uh, school board superintendents and uh, school board members. Uh, I don't think we back off. I think we're to be that salt and light and, and, and not be afraid, not be angry, but, but speak our voice and speak the voice of the Lord to our society. I think that's why we're there. And at the same time, we know when Christians speak out in the public square, um, they're often intimidated because a lot of the buzzwords are out there. Probably the most effective one in recent years is the word hate. So if you don't agree with the policy or the direction um, of that agenda, uh, you're labeled as somebody who's full of hate. So how do we... uh, oppose things that we believe are unbiblical and ungodly and at the same time um, be loving and caring towards people. Well, I think you just said it, Pastor, uh, very well. That is what we're to do. We can still speak out uh, the convictions of Scripture, the convictions uh, convictions that God has for us, and still love people. We can hate the sin and love people. Uh, 
I, I think we probably should should remind uh, believers that that people hated the Lord, yes. you know, he, but he still died for them. Sure. And uh, we can we can uh, do what we're supposed to do and be hated by by people, but that doesn't mean we have to lash out, be angry, or be afraid. I think that's very important what you said. Our faith will cost us. You know, Jesus said, you see how they treated me. Don't expect that the servant of the master is going to be treated any differently. And for a long time in, in the United States, especially here in the Bible Belt, we, we nodded in agreement with the truthfulness of that, but that kind of suffering was for those over there, people in communist countries, people um, who, who didn't live here. But now some of those pressures are, are, are coming home. And so I think it's important that we prepare our people for that. It's one of the reasons we spent uh, a year in First Peter, uh, preparing people for that kind of thing. Um, I think also what we see here is, is really something we've seen cyclically through civilizations. Isaiah the prophet addressed it in his day, and he said, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. So a total turning over of, of things that a society has said forever have been good and right and beautiful. Now those things are viewed as wrong uh, or immoral. I think what's happened there uh, is that, and I th- all believers, I think, come to this, is that uh, what we're talking about is, is disorientation. You know, we're, we're the subject of sexual orientation is really a subject now of sexual disorientation. That is, there's a confusion uh, about uh, about the roles that people are to play, and 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 so disorientation always leads then to disorientated behavior. I mean, that's that's where it's going to go. By the way, back to the, the thing that you said about feelings. You were talking about I I feel this way, so this must be right. Uh, I'm. I have. I hold a private pilot's license. I've been instructed in, in instrument training, and I know that when it comes to flying, that when you're in the clouds, when you're have that opportunity to be disorientated, uh, the the most important thing to do at that point is is to look at your instruments. Mm-hmm. Don't go off your feeling because it only takes the average uh, student uh, who's flying instruments about seven seconds to lose their orientation and crash. Uh, that's a very short period of time. Uh, I, think it, I think in our world it's very easy to get disoriented about these subjects. It's important to look at the instrumentation of God's Word. And so in that analogy, obviously, as you said, the instrument is, is the Word of God. And yet we live in a culture that by and large has discounted and discarded not only the Word of God as the standard of truth, but, but the whole concept of truth. And so our children are going to school and in many cases be in, being instructed by professors, teachers who don't have a biblical worldview. We are entrusting them seven, eight hours a day and, and then we send them to church for two hours a week, maybe. And, and so you, you see the kind of the deck is stacked against us as we're trying to develop a, a worldview. And so I want to kind of delve into this. Are there alternatives to traditional education? Um, and, and I'm not against public education. You know, I was a former public school teacher. Enjoyed it very much. Um, 
we have chosen in our family to homeschool some of our children. And um, is that a viable option? Well, I think it is. I think people who are Christians, Christian parents, uh, have the option. They should look at the options. If they need to uh, homeschool, I think that's perfectly okay. I don't think there's anything biblical against that. Um, I think they should consider uh, beefing up their their devotion and teaching time at home. I think there's probably too much television and other things that distract parents from taking a lot of time to train their kids. Uh, there's a lot of sport activities out there that that they're putting their kids in, and but but it's not instructing the kids at all about morality and. Uh, so there are options that they can consider. I, I might want to say to Christian teachers, d- d- don't quit your job. We need salt and light in the public school. So if you're already there, don't don't quit. Uh, be, be a be a spokesperson. And uh, but uh, I think these are things that parents can do. I think they they have the full right to do that. If they feel like their children are in danger. Yeah, and and you know I think as parents our first task is to provide for and protect our children. One, one other thing I, I would add is about prayer. Praying for your kids and, and with your children. A lot of parents go into parenting really not having a plan for how they're going to train their kids. And of course the scripture gives us that plan. And I often ask the parents, what, what is your outcome? What is it you want your kids to be like when they're 18 years old? Well, you, you can back that up and uh, to where they are now as infants or small children and, and, and ask, what do I need to be inculcating? What do I need to be downloading into the mind and heart of my child? And to me, that's, that's what the Deuteronomy 6 is all about, is, is as you get up and as you go about your day and as you lie down at night, what is it you're doing with your children all of this is going to be a part of their formation. So if you want them to be a good and godly, uh, strong-minded, uh, good-hearted person for the Lord at 18, it starts right now. Mm-hmm. So know that this is a marathon. This is not, this is not a sprint. It's, it's, we don't need to throw up our hands and say the sky is falling. But there are things parents can do to, to train the next generation to, to, to make their stand with confidence. And of course, ultimately, this entire issue, um, the ultimate solution for it is the gospel, right? We, we can write letters um, to politicians, and I encourage people to do that if the Lord would lead them to do that. But uh, our best um, line of defense is the Word of God, and it, it is the gospel. And so it speaks to the urgency of getting the message to our friends and our neighbors uh, and to the world. Uh, we're not to be naive, though, as to what's happening around us. Um, and we need wisdom. Um, and, and James 1.5, my favorite verse, if anyone needs wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men and, and, and doesn't make fun of us when we do that. So I know you and I pray for that often. We never know what's coming down uh, the next counseling session. So we just need God's wisdom. And I think we would encourage our parents as they have these discussions with their children, as they make big decisions about their children's education, their entertainment, their extracurricular activities, 
uh, we just all need to be prayerful that the Lord would uh, give us wisdom of what to do and what not to do. I have this question for you. You've been asking me questions, all Pastor. Right. Let's say we meet a transgender sure. person. Okay. And we have, by the way. Uh, and let me just add this. This is not something that's just out there. But we have 2,500 people in this community who call this church home. Within those families are all of these situations that we hear about on the news, right? This is not theoretical. This is real. So go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, so no, that's great. And so what what do you believe is our best way to relate and respond to a person who holds this position, who's even made these some of these so-called changes in their lives? Absolutely. Well, obviously... They are made in the image of God, right? And so by virtue of their humanity, we owe to them what we owe every human, which is dignity and honor and kindness. And no Christian should ever treat any person with um, unkindness. Yeah, his uh, kindness leads, yeah, us leads us to, to repentance, repentance, right? The Scripture says. And um, I, I have seen Christians, you have too, um, who who have said things and written things um, that are not kind, um, and oftentimes what we do is we we hide behind that uh, shield of truth. Well, it's true. We'll say right. Uh, well, the way we say things is sometimes just as important as what we say, right? Because um, yes, we need to be truthful. At the same time, we need to be wise and and kind. The way I try to view any person who's lost is as a potential trophy of God's grace, right? Remember Paul had to remind some people in the New Testament, he listed these heinous sins, and then he said, such were some of you, right? Uh, We are sinners here at First Baptist Keller. The difference between the members of this church and lost people in our community is that they are sinners. We are sinners saved by grace, Right, we have experienced forgiveness, the kindness uh, of the Lord, and and we have that message of reconciliation that we have to take into the world. Now, that does not mean we um, lower the standard of of what God says is truth. Uh, it just means we do it in a Christ-like manner. So, what what I'm hearing you say is is that this of uh, being kind, being loving. We don't give up truth. Uh, we uh, we remain winsome, and uh, these are the things that God uses, perhaps, to touch the heart of Absolutely. the person who is disoriented, so to speak. You know, at the end of the day, we're, we're talking about human bodies, right? When we talk about gender and sex, um, the Bible thematically is about paying less attention to the body than the soul, right? The body's important. God made it. Temple of the Lord. Obviously, we should take care of it. Um, but what is more important is is, is the, the state of that person's soul. And really, the message of the gospel is that there's really only two categories. There's those who's, um, who have been redeemed, who are now children of God, who've been forgiven based on the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. And there are those who are still in their sins. Everyone has an eternal soul, right? And, and that person's soul will reside ultimately uh, with the Lord or outside uh, of, of heaven in, in a place called hell. 
And so that alone ought to motivate us enough to love people enough of any gender to take the gospel to them. But I would encourage uh, Christians to, to not be afraid to, to have discussions with, with all people uh, it, because sometimes those discussions can lead to a great deal of gospel Absolutely. fruitfulness. Absolutely. If we just ignore them, that is not going to help them nor community uh, nor uh, nor the witness of the gospel itself. So, Amen. Well, Dr. Wright, thank you. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that uh, we can uh, go to your word and it is relevant for even issues that we could not have imagined 20 years ago uh, because you are sovereign and uh, omniscient and you, all, you know all things. You know the end from the beginning. And so, Father, we seek your wisdom not only on this issue, but on every issue of life. Lord, we pray that we would be Christ-like and kind uh, to all people. We pray that we would be always ready to share the gospel uh, with anyone that we come in contact with. I pray for our children. pray you'd protect them physically and emotionally. Uh, I pray for our teachers, public school teachers, private school teachers, and homeschool teachers, Lord. Give them wisdom as they are helping to uh, mold uh, the minds of, of young people. And Father, I pray for uh, maybe a, a person who's confused about their sexual identity or orientation. And Lord, I pray they would not uh, heed what the culture is saying right now. I pray they would search your word. And Father, I pray you would give them uh, spiritual strength in the inner man to follow your will and way uh, above all. And Father, we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. To learn more about First Baptist Church in Keller, Texas, visit us online at fbckeller.org.